Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Going well. You're back. I'm back. You're back. Got you back. made it. Yeah. Survived the cliff jump and everything. <laughs> got back Wednesday night, yes. Had a cliff jump in the middle of the trip um, into some water and uh, that had never done anything like that before. But Going to do it again? Kinda, uh, probably not. That's probably... <laughs> I'm good. I'm proud of myself. I can say I've done it and that's it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we got back on Wednesday night, um, lots of, of travel and airplanes uh, coming from the other side of the world and the jet lag, the jet lag is here. Jet lag is a real thing, huh? Yes. So let's hope that this episode goes well, that I don't say really crazy weird stuff and, (laughs) Um, this week in SBC history, maybe this week in the future of the SBC. Something, something like that, yeah. Or just trail off in the middle of saying something. You, I might, uh, I might give you a lot to work with. So we'll see. All right. Well, hey, I got some good news for you. Maybe it'll get you excited, keep you through the, uh, keep you awake through the podcast. Keith and Kristen Getty will be leading worship at the 2017 SBC Pastors Conference. Very exciting. I just saw that uh, hit. A little bit ago, and that that is really exciting. I think that's going to make for it just to enhance what already seems to be shaping up as a as a great program. And we've seen them at SBC annual meetings in the past. Last year, they performed at the Southeastern Luncheon uh, that we were uh, blessed to attend. That was a, actually an excellent time. And then they also performed, I think, on the main stage last year. Got them up there, yes. and uh, it was good to see them last year. Always good to see Keith around town here in Nashville. And um, it's going to be exciting to have them with us at the SBC Pastors Conference. That is really shaping up to be a uh, premier event in Phoenix for the SBC. Very excited about that. All right. Got some other good news for you, Amy. Yes. CP bumped back up. Bumped back up. Went on a Twitter tirade, uh, I think, about this on the uh, SBC This Week account. If you don't follow us, it's at SBC This Week. Whenever this news, it really surprised me. Not sure if it surprised yep. a lot of people, but after the first couple of months, and, and you know, a lot of been, people have been asking, you know, why was it down in October, and November? Why was it down? Why was it down? Well, it's not down anymore. We came in uh, at point zero four percent ahead of the first quarter last year. It had been off for the first couple of months, pretty pretty badly, and uh, yeah. but has has made that back up. It's still three point one one percent underneath the budget, but giving is higher than it was at this point last year, which is a good sign. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's under the projection, but it's ahead of the same time frame at the end of last year. Uh, so we'll keep watching, and and uh, hopefully in the next little bit we'll close that gap. Yeah, that gap may close in January. Yeah, I bet it will. Uh, because it, traditionally December's been the lowest month, uh, and this year throw all the trends out the window, I guess. And I, I really, you know, a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people have been asking why was it down. I think this maybe speaks to the the election and election fatigue affecting giving in churches. Uh, the NFL saw that with their ratings, and, and maybe the Southern Baptist Convention was seeing that with uh, the the giving to not just cooperative program, but giving to local churches, and therefore passed on uh, through the cooperative program. I actually wonder what we might see in sort of other stats, just national data as far as uh, retail, just other markets, things that you we might see. Um, if there was a dip at all in the the middle of the election, just with people not sure what the future was going to be, I don't know. It's really hard to hard to assess, but very nice to see that moving back. Up. It is, and January typically the largest month 
Uh, last January, I think total CP gifts were about $20 million. Another January like that would put us back over the top and above budget again. So uh, it's good to see that taking place in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, through the cooperative program. I know uh, that, that relieved a lot of people to see giving bump back up like that. I, I for one, uh, was one of those who was relieved to see that jump. Yes. Related to that story, there is a recap of state convention uh, stats and information at Baptist Press. We got a link to that story. Uh, the biggest state jump that we saw this past year was Ohio. Uh, we saw them mm-hmm. go from 59.75% to stay in Ohio to 50-50 split. So 9.75% jump in Ohio. In addition That's to huge, Ohio, yeah. uh, there were other increases of more than 1% that included Arizona, Colorado, the Dakotas, Kansas, Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Missouri, New Mexico, and Tennessee. And uh, state conventions that also increased their percentages this year, including those, were Alabama, Arkansas, California, Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Delaware, Michigan, Mississippi, New England, New York, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, South Jersey, Utah, Idaho. They all increased as well. That kind of goes along and shows us how a lot of these state conventions moving you know, toward that 50-50 split, some slower than others, uh, but getting to... Uh, that quote-unquote goal that a lot of states are are throwing out there. Yeah, this is another encouraging sign. So it's great when we can point to giving overall uh, being up. We can kind of see that that picture. And then we start to see some of these shifts in states, which is going to certainly add to that. That Ohio number, uh, that's kind of, that's exciting. I mean, we made a big deal about uh, Florida a couple years ago when this happened. Um, Ohio, that's huge. All right. And also, when we're talking about giving, there's a great story about First Baptist Church Rockwall and their annual missions offering day. They do a big annual missions offering, gave more than $1 million this year they collected, and the church pastored by Steve Swafford. Yeah, this is really incredible. So this day, it's uh, the the first Sunday of each December. It's a day for the, the their church to give uh to give two missions. The way they divide it is 10% goes to uh, Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, 20% goes to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, and 70% to the Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering. So it's it's pretty unbelievable. Uh, The pastor, uh, Pastor Steve Swafford, said he, you know, had had hoped, had prayed that they would get to a million dollars before he retired uh, one day, but here it was. It was this year. A great, great story uh, in Baptist Press about that, and just what a blessing. Very exciting. Yeah, and we heard time and time again about churches giving over and above their Lottie Moon Christmas offerings. I know a lot of churches have have moved more to maybe this one day of missions that gets split uh, along those lines, like you mentioned. Uh, So I've seen church after church that have uh, eclipsed their goals for missions giving in 2016. So it's exciting to see that. Can't wait to see those numbers for Lottie and Annie in 2017, hopefully to continue uh, that positive trend. Uh, Moving on to the states over in Kentucky. Uh, Some big news coming out of there, not really Southern Baptist related, but friend of Southern Baptist. The governor, Matt Bevin, uh, and the Kentucky legislature passed a bill uh, to protect unborn babies, it, it banned late-term abortions and required women seeking abortions to go undergo ultrasounds. Uh, but a little twist in this, just before we recorded today, uh, some news on January 12th that the Attorney General will not 
uh, defend the abortion ban there in the state of Kentucky. You have to see how this plays out. Yeah, so what that means, that doesn't actually affect it right now. The the law has taken effect. Um, as soon as the governor's signature's on it, the law is in effect. What the attorney general said was, he came out publicly and said, if a lawsuit challenges its constitutionality, I'm not going to defend it. Uh, so first of all, you see, we see kind of a public battle. You know, the governor has responded and uh, with sort of with a strong rebuke, but we see a public battle between the Republican governor and the Democratic attorney general because those are both elected uh, positions. The governor doesn't appoint uh, his own attorney general. Um, so we're seeing a public battle. And then essentially what the attorney general has done now is to invite someone uh, to file a lawsuit um, and to just basically say, hey, if you do it, I'm not going to do anything about it. Um, so it will just remain to be seen. I, I'm sure there are people that are sort of preparing to do just that. So I, I know this is not the last that we've seen on this particular law, uh, as it plays out, but as it stands, uh, that, that law is in effect. Yep. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out in party politics there in Kentucky as well. Uh, we will definitely keep an eye on this. Uh, some other politically related news for the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, a Washington, D.C. church is under fire for calling a lesbian couple as co-pastors of its church. Yes, so this is a church. Uh, it's Calvary Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. It is part of the District of Columbia Baptist Convention. Now, Calvary Baptist Church, historically, Southern Baptist uh, it is not. They they voted to cease cooperating uh, with the Southern Baptist Convention in 2012, I believe. So this is not um, this is not an issue that's going to come up on the floor of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention because there's nothing to do. There's nothing to to disfellowship. It is, however, a major major issue for uh, the District of Columbia Baptist Convention and a question about. Uh, what they will do. Uh, this is where we see it play out, that we do have churches out there that maybe participate with a state convention, uh, depending on the, the, the situation, uh, but do not participate with the Southern Baptist Convention. There is a serious conflict right here because Executive Director Robert Cochran is quoted in this article that's saying that we have no plans to disassociate with Calvary. To the best of his knowledge, the D.C. Baptist Convention, due to its respect for local congregation autonomy, has never withdrawn fellowship from a congregation. But uh, Al Mohler, the president at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, says that basically if the convention does not expel them, then by very definition they become a convention that will accept and indeed does accept a church that has legally married lesbian co-pastors in terms of their own membership. So Dr. Moeller's saying if you don't expel them, then you're basically saying that your state convention, or I guess in this case just a convention, it's not a state, uh, is accepting of homosexuality. Yeah, and that's it, that's really key what he's saying because it seems like what the D.C. Baptist Convention wants to do is to kind of put this in the category of autonomy, and uh, congregational autonomy is very important. Uh, it's a it's a key Baptist distinctive. But I think everyone understands that at some level we have standards of cooperation. And the question is, what constitutes a standard of cooperation? And Dr. Mueller's point is, if this is not a standard of cooperation um, among us, then I think we've got to to be asking some 
some really strong questions. So how this starts to play out in the DCBC with other congregations, um, with, with congregations who are Southern Baptist, that's what's going to be interesting is just kind of what the group response is to this. Yes, and we've seen some of these type of issues go on in other states, uh, particularly Virginia, where there is another conservative state convention uh, that conservative churches can can be a part of. Uh, you know, it, this is going to be a continual issue. We talked about it a couple weeks ago with the BGCT and how they uh, disfellowshipped a couple of churches uh, for uh, their stances on homosexuality. And, right. you know, this is just another instance, won't be the last, um, and, you know, be something worth following, though, for the future of the SBC. Absolutely. Um, this is random question. Can, could a church in the D.C. area that were to, to maybe make a choice, this is, we can't move forward. Is there a path? Can they be part of, a, like, say, Maryland-Delaware well, convention? That's a real question. Well, they are with Maryland-Delaware for executive committee membership and other entity yeah. board uh, memberships and, and representation. So uh, that would probably be the one, um, or, you know, it's possible they could affiliate with, and an, you know, the SBC conservatives of Virginia, I guess. Yeah. SBCV, something like that. So, uh, that, that would be an interesting question to ask. I don't know that we see that very often. Uh, and we're of, probably only talking about a handful of churches too, because there's not right, many churches to begin with in the Washington DC proper, uh, right. and, you know, so it, small. and yep. one of them being, you know, Capitol Hill Baptist, pastored by Mark Dever, his church would be the one uh, would be one of the ones that would uh, have to make that decision. Right. Along with some other um, church plants, I know that have, have kind yeah. of started up there Anacostia in recent, River. Uh, recent years. So uh, definitely something for us to watch. I don't think that the uh, D.C. convention looks like they're planning to budge on this. Uh, but just exactly what some of the churches do in response to that will be uh, very, very interesting. Some news out of South Carolina as well. Gary Hollingsworth, he was hired last year as the new state executive director, had presented a restructuring plan as long as, along with some reports in his uh, 2016 board meeting. Uh, there's a link to the story. There's two points of note in the story. Uh, one, that Joe Youngblood will now be working with what they're calling the Legacy Project. It is serving interested churches that are near closing or helping find creative solutions like mergers, cooperatives uh, with other churches, or even the utilization of property for church planning. Uh, that's something that uh, Dr. Rayner and I have been talking a lot about on TomRayner.com is uh, what to do with churches that close, what to do with those facilities, and the possibilities of merging and church replanning. I know we had Mark Clifton on uh, in his book, Reclaiming Glory, about that specific topic. So that was one thing that, that came of note. And then there was also something we had talked about in our year-end recap, as well as our 2017 questions, uh, was property sales by state conventions. There was a question asked of Gary Hollingsworth about the 82,000 square foot uh, facility that houses the state staff. And he said that they looked into it and had checked on the possible sale of it and would it be a, a good financial stewardship move. And there, you know, after they had done their due diligence, uh, decided that it is best at this time uh, to keep the facility and, and not sell the facility and move like we've seen some others do. Very interesting. Um, well, and I mean, we've been watching South Carolina for a little while since Gary Hollingsworth got down there and seeing all these kind of new things is, is no surprise. That that caught my attention to the legacy 
project uh, that, that you mentioned, because I think we are going to see this more and more. I, I'll be intrigued if, to see if we see some other states having some similar positions. I would not be surprised. Yes. All right. Also in the states, uh, speaking of executive directors and new executive directors, congratulations to Barry Whitworth, the longtime church planner and state convention staff member, as being named the executive director of the Baptist Convention of Pennsylvania, South Jersey, also known as the Baptist Resource Network of Pennsylvania, South Jersey. Yeah, so he's going to succeed David Waltz. We've talked about uh, this, retired after 23 years, and um, he'll start February 1st, so just in a few weeks. Yes, he's uh, been there, been known uh, in the area, so uh, congratulations to him. Speaking of executive directors, Colorado, we had Mike Rout on last fall about the open position in Colorado. He has named a search team for that position, and they are accepting candidates right now. There's a link to the story about that, but they are seeking a new executive director to follow Mark Edlund, who is uh, retiring and leaving office in July. Fantastic. And Calvin Whitman, pastor of Applewood Baptist Church in Wheat Ridge, is chair of that search team. Uh, and he is an incredible pastor out there, does great work. So between him and Mike Rout, uh, this search is in good hands. Yep. All right. We got some seminary news, Amy. Yeah, this is a big one, or at least those who... Um, What's a big one to live- them, I'm sure. Uh, at least those who are in the, no, all of us that kind of move in these circles know that this is a big deal. Uh, New Orleans uh, Baptist Theological Seminary received word at the annual meeting of uh, Southern Association of Colleges and School Commission on Colleges that they uh, received reaccreditation. So uh, that's fantastic. Got reaffirmed for the next 10 years. And um, I, I don't think that's a, a huge surprise, but here's what I'll say. The, the process of getting reaffirmed every 10 years, it's a big one. Um, yeah, it's a huge amount of work. It is a huge amount of work. So I was part of the uh, steering committee for the reaffirmation at Southern Seminary in 2002. It was one of the busiest years uh, of my life as far as work years uh, are concerned and just a really intense time of just getting all your ducks in a row and then uh, preparing for the site visit, uh, doing the institution self-study and then appear uh, and then preparing for the site visit, having the team on the ground. And so I know that this is a really big deal. My husband also handles um, the accreditation for Southeastern. So it's a big deal in our house here as well. Uh, so very, very important. Congratulations to New Orleans. I know that uh, was a lot of work, and I know they're celebrating this. Congratulations are also in order to one Carol Pipes, who was named this week the new Director of Communications for Lifeway Christian Resources, uh, joining the ranks of other female Directors of Communications in the SBC. I could not be happier about this. I love Carol Pipes. She is my good, good friend. Uh, we share a lot of just common interests, and um, we overlapped. I left Lifeway uh, just as she was coming in, so we've never actually gotten to work together in the same uh, place, but now I'm very excited that we will be uh, colleagues and get to kind of share. And it's uh, there There aren't as many of us. Um, Gateway has a... Um, a female director of communications, and uh, Southern is uh, Southern Seminary is structured a, a little bit differently. They have several directors, and uh, their marketing director is a, a good friend of mine um, as well. He's a female, and so there are a few of us. But really exciting to have Carol kind of join the ranks. She's going to do a phenomenal job, and she replaces Marty King, who is retiring 
uh, to spend more time with his grandkids. Uh, Marty has a long, illustrious career in the SBC. He will be missed. Uh, and congratulations again to Carol. Some more Lifeway news. Got a big event coming up next weekend, the 17th of January. Uh, there's going to be Bible study workshops, how to study and how to conduct devotionals in your uh, personal life, and they're having these at the local Lifeway stores. So you can check out the events uh, usually from about 11 to 1 or 6 to 8 in your uh, local Lifeway stores. Check it out and sign up for that. You can find out more about that at lifeway.com slash events. Uh, it's all one word there. First 75 customers at each store get a free Bible study workbook. So uh, I, and Michael Kelly, I think, wrote that, and uh, it's a fantastic piece. And I think they're actually going to do one uh, for how to lead a Bible study in your home with your kids later on in April uh, around Easter. So uh, some new events at the Lifeway store. So if you've got a Lifeway store around you and near you, check that out and uh, and and join us for that next weekend on the 17th. More news from Lifeway. Study, where do Americans look to solve the nation's woes? No surprise, they look to the top of the food chain there. The elected president, 23%, say uh, that they are the in the best position to generate a healthy conversation on the challenges facing our society. Yes, so a uh, question was, as you just said, in America today, who is in the best position to generate a healthy conversation on the challenges facing our society? There were a lot of choices. Now, uh, the elected president received 23%. That was the top of that list. But 33% of people said none of the above. So we need to remember that, that um, that I'm not really sure what that means. If they if the people who answered that had another person in mind or if they just said not interested in any of those. But Or, or uh, the if, pres- if they even think it's possible to generate a healthy conversation on the challenges yeah, facing our society. Yeah, there, there could be all kinds of things. Um, but they they did say uh, the elected president, 23 percent, um, pastors of local churches were next with 11 percent, then uh, professors at universities, 8 percent. I mean, professors at universities, 10 percent, media, 8 percent. And then it just kind of goes down. Congress was very low. Um, at They're 6%. low in everything, Amy. Yeah. Here's what's interesting. It, it said among Americans. Um, so this is 1000 Americans. And I'm going to say the question again. We've said it a few times. But in America today, who is in the best position to generate a healthy conversation on the challenges facing our society? Only 1% said professional sports players and less than 1% said musicians. However, those are the people that we often kind of elevate what they are saying uh, higher than than most, you know, with the someone in the that category says something and it, it spreads like wildfire on social media. Big deal is made Meryl about Streep it. In here. Well, it doesn't say actresses. Yeah. So she didn't even know. make the cut. Maybe yeah. she's in the none of these. I I don't know. Um, but it's that's interesting. a Globe and Globes uh, reference, folks. Yeah. Yes, and I want to just be clear. I was out of the country. I did not get to see the Golden Globes. I didn't know about it until after. And uh, it, it was actually kind of a nice break from all of the <laughs> chatter to be out for a little while. But I have heard about it since it happened. Um, but we elevate certain people uh, it, for what they say. And Scott McConnell in this release talks about this. He says, musicians or athletes get a great deal of attention 
for their public statements about the issues, but few Americans seem to look to them as thought leaders. So just kind of a curious thing for how much we elevate what certain people say, but in the end, uh, that's not necessarily who we think can lead healthy conversations. And finally, some sad news this week. Old Testament scholar and former Southern Baptist professor uh, John Herbert Salheimer uh, passed away at 70. Yeah, um, so this was, uh, Dr. Salehammer taught at, um, well, it was, it, it, it was Golden Gate um, when he was there, joined the faculty there in 2006, and then retired in 2012, um, but he taught at Southeastern for uh, quite a bit of time uh, before that, and um, he uh, left uh, Southeastern when he when he retired, gave us his uh, library. So we have that on site in our library. It's an unbelievable collection that kind of has its own its own room, uh, but made a great contribution on our campus. One of our Old Testament professors, uh, Tracy McKenzie, was his student, and so uh, Dr. Salehammer's influence uh, continues today, even through uh, the contributions of Dr. McKenzie. Um, but but yeah, he was he was a really big deal in. Um, the uh, the academic world uh, as an Old Testament scholar and made just a, a, an incredible, even, even people who haven't heard of him uh, just can know that he made a great contribution to the Southern Baptist Convention. So we are, um, we're very sorry to hear about his passing this week. And then also Paul Powell, the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention's annuity board, uh, passed away last month, right at the end of the month, right before the end of the year, at 83. Yes, so the annuity board, which uh, if it, some of our listeners most probably yeah, what's know, that? But that, <laughs> that, uh, that's uh, Guidestone Financial Resources. So he, he was the president before O.S. Hawkins. So he was the president there from 1990 to 1997, which you mentioned that O.S. Hawkins took over. O.S. close to 20 years this year. Um, and also pastored at Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, a massive church there in Tyler, Texas. Our thoughts and prayers out to the Salehammer and Powell families. All right, that'll do it for the news, and we'll bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Well, uh, talking about two people who've been really important in the Southern Baptist world that have passed um, in the in the last little bit here, uh, we had another week like that 14 years ago this week. Um, on uh, January 10th, uh, W.A. Criswell, a pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, founder of Criswell College, um, died at the age of 92. Now, I remember when this happened. Um, I was working I at Southern Seminary. Uh, yeah, I was working at Southern Seminary at the time. Um, didn't really have a good understanding of exactly who Dr. Criswell was at the time. Um, but when this happened... I think that was when I kind of, it, it started to sink in, uh, his contribution, and then I learned more and more, um, heard lots of funny stories about him at that time, and, and lots of uh, incredible things about his contribution. So when we look back on the history of um, of the Southern Baptist Convention, particularly in a, a you know, three or four decade span, um, he's going to be right in the middle of that. His focus on uh, on preaching, his uh, faithfulness to uh, the Bible, 
all of those things had a, a tremendous impact. And there are pastors everywhere who are walking around um, doing what they do in many ways because the Lord used him uh, to influence them. And so um, this was uh, a big week uh, because of the loss of him. And it happened uh, this week in SBC history. Yep. Yeah, and you mentioned the founder of Criswell College. I'm an alumnus of Criswell College, so founded in uh, 1970, 71, uh, Criswell Bible Institute. Your boss, Danny Aiken, I believe, was at Criswell at uh, once upon a time, and and also worked closely with Dr. Criswell uh, while he was there. Yes, um, and if, if for those of you listening who may not have as much exposure to him, um, his sermon library is online. Yes. Um, it is www.wacriswell.com. Um, it's a really good site, and uh, very, very well done, um, and just lots of opportunities to, to listen, and organized in a way that... You can go into uh, by category or, or passage, but then they have like his most popular ones. Um, they are very easily uh, for people to see. They call them Criswell Classics. Um, Whether We Live or Die from the SBC in 1985, um, The Curse of Liberalism from the SBC in 1988, uh, some really important ones, uh, very easily accessible. So definitely go and check that out. All right. Well, that, thanks for that, Amy. And uh, yeah, always good to talk about Chriswell resources. And that'll move us on to our resource of the week. Your resource of the week is? All right. My resource is a new book by Trillia Newbell. Uh, most people have heard of her or uh, have read something, some of the things by her. She's a fantastic writer. Uh, this one is called Enjoy, Finding the Freedom to Delight Daily in God's Good Gifts. Um, and so this is uh, talking about how we often miss opportunities to participate in uh, the, the beautiful things, wonderful things um, that God has provided because of discouragement or, you know, other things. And so it just uh, pushes us to have uh, more of a, a spirit of gratitude, satisfaction. Um, and uh, I think this is uh, this is going to be really great. So I'm excited. Can't wait to get this. Yep, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting a copy of that as well. Uh, Beth is a big fan of Trillia, has had her at our church and speak, and uh, so be able to pick up a copy of that soon as well. Uh, My resource of the week is a bullet journal. I've got a bullet journal that I've been uh, using this year, helped us maybe stay more organized. I'm going to put a link in. Instead of putting a link to the bullet journal, I'm going to put a link to what bullet journaling is. Uh, Our good friend Julie Masson, uh, who lives mm-hmm. up in Kansas City, uh, does a lot of stuff with the RLC and uh, on their social media stuff, has a great blog post on what bullet journaling is and and just some how-tos and try to get started. So that will be my resource of the week. It'll be really the blog post, I guess, from Julie about yeah. bullet journaling. Yeah, it. Um, we use that as well. Keith and I both do. And it's, it's a really fantastic system. Um, among all the organization systems, uh, most things you, you start and then you stop because you can't keep it up. Bullet journaling is designed for those people. So very good. And uh, what's great is, you know, when, when you go to, you know, well, what type of notebook, there are certainly ones that are maybe better suited for it. But the truth is you just get the notebook that works for you and then you yep. can run with it. Yeah, it could be any kind of notebook as as long as it's got paper. That's right. You can write in it. You, you're good right. to go. So. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news this week, Amy. I know you're you're back from around the world 
and literally. And yes. so you only have a couple of days left and then classes start next week. You get convocation next week. Then you got the go conference, I think at the end of this month, I've got trustee meeting coming up at Lifeway in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll see some other trustee meetings, I think in February as well as executive committees. So it's about that time to get things kicked off for 2017 for the SBC. It doesn't stop. And uh, we're, we're already starting to talk about our uh, travel plans around here for Phoenix, uh, just because you have to kind of think ahead when you're taking a big group. So it, yeah, it doesn't quit. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. See you next week.